How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Busy, busy. Good. Good, good. <laughs> I'm like, I've not even been to the gym yet. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Do you need the gym more than running around you do? Uh, no, I'm still needed. I'm sitting down a lot um, now uh, with the uh, business planning and, and, and right. stuff like that. So... Sitting down doesn't exactly equate to 10,000 steps a day. When no, I look at no. it, When I look at it, I'm like, oh, dear God, I've only done 1,000 in the entire day. So, so it's quite shocking, isn't it? It is. Even in the pharmacy, when you wear it and you're in the pharmacy, you're like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, no, about 2,000. That's about yeah, it. Quite worrying. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I'm so excited you're on the show. Thank you. <laughs> well, I think I am. <laughs> but forgive me if I say your surname wrong, but I'm not too sure how to pronounce it. Go on, have a but for our listeners, uh, we have the woman of many hats, uh, the amazing Michelle Dios. 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 Yes. Dios. Okay. Okay. Apologies. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, how have you been today? Yeah, good. Um, busy. Busy. Around. But yeah, all good. <laughs> well, um, how I do the uh, podcast recording is that um, I always introduce it in a very uh, relaxed manner. I don't like mm-hmm. to dive right into questions. I want to, uh, listeners to get to know uh, a bit more about you, your personality. Um, and also it's a bit good for me as well, have a bit of banter before we dive mm-hmm. right into questions. Would that be okay? That's fine. That's good to me. Okay. So, I know you love animals. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Do you want to tell our listeners what animals you have? Okay. Let's start with the smallest. I have two rabbits, two cats, a snake. Three dogs and a horse and a few fish. So who had the rat? The rat? No, no, no that's someone no, else. No. no, okay. I did look at getting a rat, but no, we haven't got a rat. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Just uh, those. Just those. Just those. <laughs> For the moment. Yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I had a bigger house, I would, yeah, I would have more. Oh, wow, no, wow, wow, wow. Well. <laughs> got mushroom left. <laughs> Um, and what was the last book you read? Oh my goodness. Probably a Richard Lehman book. But I can't remember the title. Okay. So is it, is it more books you read for work or do you read for... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't have time to read, mm. unfortunately. And what's, but, the last, um... what's the last movie you watched? Oh. The last movie I watched was The Lady Oh my god, that was ages ago. <laughs> my daughter's keep making me watch it, so <laughs> that was ages ago. I know, I know. Free time, busy lady. Busy lady, you have time to talk to me. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> which I which I greatly appreciate. <laughs> oh bless you. Um do you watch Game of Thrones? No. Oh dear. That threw that so question sorry. out of the way. Have you ever watched Friends? Okay, so having watched Friends, which character would you be and why? 
Monica Rapano. I used to look like her when I was thinner. <laughs> when I was thinner, younger. <laughs> so it would have to be Monica. Just because you look like her. Apparently. Okay. <laughs> If looks were taken out of it, would it still be Monica? No, it would be Rachel. Rachel, why? Yeah, a little, little bit more ditzy. <laughs> um, do you like spicy foods or have you got a sweet tooth? Both. Both, okay. So you'd be a fan of chilli chocolate then? Oh, I love chilli chocolate. Yeah, I love salty chocolate. Salty chocolate. Yeah, like salted mm. or I think the only type of salty combination I like is like salted chocolate pretzels. Oh. Then yeah, yes. I eat the whole bag. Yes. When I was pregnant with my second daughter, I had to have at least two packets of that. Uh, that was my craving. I had to. I, I had to keep now. diving past it in the supermarket. I'm just like, yeah, that's not good. Dive yeah, past no. it. Does no. dive past. That was one of my yeah. Have you ever tried a chili infused tea bag? No. <laughs> I was in a I, Yeah, I know I was shocked too. I was in a, a pharmacy locoming uh, the other day and um, I was making everyone a cup of tea, coffees and things like that. And um, yeah, I like to look after my team even though, you know, I'm not their manager, but yeah. <laughs> and um, one, of the, one of the dispensers says, yeah, I'll have one of the chilli ones. And I'm like, a what? <laughs> what do you mean chili tea? <laughs> I thought he meant like a, a chai masala tea bag. No, yeah. it actually got chilies in. And it was a berry it was a berry chili infusion. And I was like berry teas, but no, this is chili. And I was like, hmm, must try this. Um and I tried it. It has got a kick. It okay. did. It did burn the back of my throat. Okay. <laughs> and he was like, "You're like, yeah, you drink it, and then um, it, it goes, um, he goes, um, he goes, it just makes your brain stimulated to do even more work." I was like, "Yeah, let's see, <laughs> let's see, let's see." <laughs> you comparing this to caffeine? Let's see. And um, I, I like obviously taking little sips at a time, and then I was serving customers, and then came back, and I completely forgot it was the chili drink, and I just literally gulped one back, and oh my god. <laughs> um, but yeah, chili, chili, chili berries. Chili berries. I need to try that one though. Yeah. Yeah, I brought I brought some in for them. Uh, green tea and mint favorite. Mm, yes. Green tea yes. and mint. Yes. I'm trying to cut down the coffee. I'm trying to cut down the black coffee. So I was like, yeah, green tea and mint. I got that. Yeah, good. But yeah, try the try the chili thing. Okay, I'm off to the supermarket. It, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't do anything to my brain, but <laughs> okay. apparently, apparently, it does have. You know, I don't know. Okay. Mental stimulation. Okay. <laughs> okay, so, so when I need to pick me up, then it's a treat. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. So, for our listeners, um, give us. Um, uh, an introduction into uh, what you do, what your journey's been to where you are. Oh gosh, how long have we got? We've um, got as long as you want. So I work for the DLPC as Teams Pharmacy Development Officer mm -hmm. and I've been working with the DLPC for the last 10 years. 
Um, so that's as the title says, developing community pharmacy, developing services in the community pharmacy. Um, which we've got lots of, so it's quite successful in Dublin. Um, I am also director of um, the new provider company across the West Midlands, Central Health Solutions. Mm -hmm. So we have five directors and our aim is to bring services and revenue into community pharmacy across the West Midlands. So um, that company was put together just over a year ago um, for the LPCs across the West Midlands. Um, and then I also have my own consultancy business um, called Self Consultancy, and that again is around training and consultancy to support anyone and anyone that has me <laughs> um, <laughs> to do with pharmacy, optometry, public health, um, okay. training and consultancy services. And how on earth do you find time to do all that? <laughs> and all the animals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't sleep anymore. You don't sleep. Well, you look amazing uh, for someone that hasn't slept. <laughs> you need to be passing on your secrets. So, for someone that isn't aware, so I have a lot of students that listen into the podcast. Um, so, for example, at Central Health Solutions, you, you mm -hmm. look at services and revenues for West Midlands. How do you go about doing that? And where do you even start? A number of ways. It's very important and reactive. So, we have um, applied for a number of tenders and um, so contracts that come out um, through public health mainly. Um, and we've got a number of those running at the moment. So we have a smoking contract um, in Coventry, we have a smoking contract in Staffordshire, and we're just about to start the smoking contract in Stoke-on-Trent. Okay. Um, we have also been providing flu um, vaccination training through um, another company, um, supporting that, and also producing some resources to promote service this year. Okay. Um, we've also put some advertisements on buses. So if anyone sees a bus going through anywhere across the West Midlands, hopefully Then we know be... Michelle was behind it. No, she hasn't got my name. Michelle is going to But there are um, outside the buses and inside the buses there's some promotional material to say go to see your pharmacy for um, the vaccination. Mm -hmm. So that, that's running at the moment. Um, we've also been involved with other pieces of work um, with local authorities um, and CCGs. We um, wrote the PMA, Pharmaceutical Needs Assessment for Sample. Okay. That was a piece of work that we um, started and completed last year, which turned me grey. But <laughs> <laughs> Often. Um, so, yeah, so although we've only been going 12 months, we've um, managed to secure quite a lot, really. Yeah, um, quite a lot. Yeah, all good so far. So, how have you seen the services change over the years, especially from um, an LPC point of view? Um, and again, for our student listeners, if you can break down what an LPC is, that'd be great. Yeah, um, local pharmacy is... Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
hold on, hold on, hold your horses. <laughs> so, um, so from a student's point of view, when they're listening to this, all they've probably heard at university is the fact that pharmacies do MURs, NMSs, and possibly now flu and, and travel vacs. Okay. But, um, they're not too aware of the additional services that we as pharmacists provide. So how have you seen how have you seen that um, change occur over the last two ten years, especially from an LPC point of view as well? Okay, so when I started in Goodley, um my role was partly funded by the LPC and partly funded from the uh, by the PCT as was, which is now local authorities, the health department. Um, and at the time, I think there were about three services that were commissioned through community pharmacy. Um, and over the last 10 years, we've seen that increase to 10 um, services. But we are now seeing some of those parts be decommissioned or given to other providers. It's really important that community pharmacy kind of shows its um, value to commissioners to make sure that these services are decommissioned. Um, but some of the things that have been commissioned through community pharmacy are things like emergency hormonal contraception mm -hmm. and more after pill. Um, a range of other sexual health services, so chlamydia screening and chlamydia treatment, mm -hmm. um, HIV point of care testing, where patients come in and have a big blood test um, a HIV um, diagnosis of well, um, a reactive or non-reactive result. Um, there are some pharmacies that do um, happy, we don't do that indirectly, um, but there are others that, that do those kind of services. Um, substance misuse services, so supervised consumption and needle exchange services are run through many pharmacies across the whole country, not just in Dudley. Um, then we also have um, alcohol interventions, so talking to people about the amount that they drink um, and ensuring that they're drinking the recommended amounts and if not giving them some guidance and some advice on that. Mm -hmm. um, what else do we do? NHS health techs. So that's providing kind of a, a body MT for anyone that's 40 plus. And that's where the, um, the pharmacies, when we we'll go to the pharmacy and have a health check, so they will have, again, things with blood, which will be their cholesterol and their uh, glucose. Mm -hmm. And then um, have their height and weight measured. So the MI you've worked out, um, some questions around their lifestyle. So do they smoke? How much do they drink? Do they eat their five a day? Um, some questions on family history, and that's fed into a calculator, and then it gives that patient their um, cardiovascular risk or their risk of developing cardiovascular problems in the future. Mm -hmm. So that's another service that's kind of run by pharmacy. And actually, pharmacies in you know, can offer all those services, should offer all those services, and actually should be the first port of call for those services for patients, because the patient can just walk in and an appointment, and actually then depending on the results of, of whatever they've gone in for, the pharmacist or even the pharmacy support staff are well placed to give advice and support for that person to make a lifestyle change or be referred into specialist services or a GP. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I understand it as a pharmacist. Um, so, um, you win a you win a tender, you win a contract, and uh, how do you then go about placing it into which stores? Um, how do you work that part out? Um, various 
different ways. So it depends on the funding. So sometimes there's limited funding, so people will be able to be offered to all parties. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's on um, different areas where there's higher need. So um, commissioners will look at the geography of their patch and say, well, actually, there's a higher need of um, smoking cessation in this patch because we have got a higher percentage of smokers, whereas it's not needed in this other area because we've got a lower percentage of smokers. So it would be on need um, and on funding. So is there funding and is there a need in a particular area? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the same for services, sexual health services. Yeah. We're going to work in a pharmacy that's predominantly in a, an older population when it matters to <laughs> so <laughs> year old that wants to come <laughs> How have you seen the pharmacies adapt to the level and the amount of services that they're providing over the years? Has it been forthcoming? Has it been resistance? How would you describe it? A bit of both. Um, and I know it's getting increasingly more difficult um, for pharmacies because they have less staff. Um, so to be able to offer these additional services sometimes puts, puts a strain on, on the whole pharmacy. Um, because it is additional work, um, but there is additional learning and funding behind that. So I think pharmacies have to look to see whether it's financially viable to be able to offer commission services. Um, and that's why I talked about need as well, because no point being, you know, go through the training and the accreditation process to offer the service that's not going to have a high uptake in your pharmacy. Mm-hmm. Because if you're only getting paid £100 a year for that service, yeah. Is it worth going through all that? So, um, and in the past, so if I can go back over the 10 years, we did have pharmacies that wanted to offer every service, um, lots of staff to be able to offer all these services. Yeah. But now it's looking, it's kind of beginning to be needed, what's going to work for us in our pharmacy. Okay. And um, how have you seen the pressures? been adapted to offering the services change so we've got let's say for example very busy 100 hour pharmacy that offers let's say seven different services mm-hmm. um very heavy item load pharmacy how would they how has the services been adapted over the years to incorporate the fact that they're they're very busy uh, um, in order to deliver it and deliver it yeah. at a successful level not all services need to be offered all of the time. Yeah. And that, again, that's something that I say, you know, if you are offering a whole range of services, then think about what times of the year to push those services. So, for example, alcohol interventions, people drink all over all throughout the year. Yeah. But um, there's an increase in drinking in the summer months when people are going out and in the garden, having barbecues, having a few glasses of wine. And there's an increase in drinking over the Christmas period. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're offering an alcohol infection service, then maybe think of doing um, a focused campaign in a couple of summer months and then again over Christmas, the Christmas period. That, that doesn't mean that they can't talk to any patient that comes in any other time of the year. It's just that focus on those particular times of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, or it may even be focused on one particular day or one particular part of the day that's not as busy. So think about having a, um, try and think of another kind of service. 
he actually we can't do that because <laughs> people need it when they need it. Sometimes two hours. But you know, there are the kind of services like like health techs that could maybe book those in on quieter times because mm-hmm. they know that they're going to be spending probably twenty minutes, half an hour with a patient. Um, smoking cessation again, those could be booked in because patients need to know to come back in to get their um, carbon dioxide checked and things that can be done on an appointment basis if needed. So it, it's it's looking to see when when it kind of fits the quieter times of that pharmacy. And a hundred hour pharmacy would be able to offer services like in the evening maybe when it's quieter too. Mm-hmm. And when people need them when you know people are finished work and things like that and you you know they want to go after work and weekends and pharmacy is the most accessible healthcare provider um open more than any other. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, you know, looking at those kind of times of the year, but also times of the day or week that that services can work. What's the level of paperwork that's involved in offering these services? Again, it differs, and, and um, we are trying to move away from paper, um, but there are still lots of services out there that are um, run by paper and paper submissions for claims, which in my opinion, doesn't work well, that's another piece of work pharmacies need to do. Yeah. Um, and then remember to actually claim and send them in. And I know there's been pharmacies that have provided a whole range of services that, that have not been paid for them because of the, the addition of remembering to fill paperwork in and send it to the necessary person. Mm-hmm. So with the thing, you know, there are now some obviously IT platforms, farm outcomes, which records that information in real time um, and goes to commissioners and pharmacies get paid that way. That's definitely um, been that's that's been improved over the years. Farmer outcomes. It was not so user friendly or speed savvy. I would say no. Um, we still have pharmacies that even with things like farmer outcomes that were still completing things on paper and then inputting it. Oh no! And I think there are still pharmacies out there. Yeah, there are. And they do work are. twice. Yeah. Um, but if that works for them and they haven't got access to a computer at the time. Then, you know, long in your life, long in your life. So when they say they have no time, I'm like, do you realise how much time you've wasted? You could say, and and could have saved by not having to do it twice. I know, I know. I know. I feel more frustrated. Yes. I've got I've gone around many pharmacies. I'm like, why is it all the paper? Paper. You've got to make sure that you you've got on that piece of paper the exact information that you need to put onto pharmacos or whatever platform it is. Um, and remember to do it in time. And you know, make sure as well as adequately file it and everything like that. And oh dear God, it's never that. To GP practice, the GP doesn't write things down on a piece of paper and then put it into the computer. No, he puts it into the computer while you're sitting. There's no paper at the GP's desk at all. No, no, nothing. Nothing. Enough occasionally that they need to flip through. A very occasionally, (laughs) yeah, which then makes me think I do not feel confident seeing you. Happen, unfortunately. Um, no, I had I've had one doctor actually pull out a pharmacology book on me, and yeah, I was like, "Do you know who I am?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, I, I, "I'm not positive confidence here at all, <laughs> at all." And I was like, "Breathe, breathe." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not good. No, no. 
But that's, that, that's like someone saying to me as like a, a, a customer saying to me, well, all your job is just sticking a label on the box. And I'm like, no, there isn't so much more. So I can't exactly go to the doctor and tell them how to do their job. Just like I don't like someone saying it to me. It's the assumption of it's the assumption of it. I'm like, well, yeah, let me look at it from a curious point of view. Is it something I've asked you that you don't commonly get asked? Mm. You know, if you if you don't use it, you lose it. So maybe exactly. you lost it at that point in time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, like I say, it's what works for France, I suppose. And if it's still need to use paper, then how do you see it changing? Obviously, with all the funding cuts um, that pharmacy is undergoing um, and it seems like there's more to come, how do you see it changing? At the moment with public health services, we know that there's a cut. So we know that the funding is not there anymore. Mm -hmm. um, gone are the days when public health had money to burn. <laughs> um, they haven't anymore. Um, purse strings are much, much tighter. So it is difficult, it is really difficult to kind of, um, to see those those more services coming through community pharmacy. But I think what pharmacists have been particularly bad at is actually evidencing the work that they do yeah. and showing that it makes a difference. So, um, for example, if I can go back to the alcohol intervention, so, mm -hmm. so um, I did a piece of work on that at the moment in Dudley, where we are, so pharmacies have been providing the service for a number of years, started up with a pilot, it was really successful, so it carried on and they're providing all these interventions um, but there's part of the service where they are expected to call the patient back if the patient scores highly and they're, they're um, a um, risk of mm -hmm. the patient is called back within four weeks to to see if um, the information that, that they were provided with was useful and whether they reduced their drinking and that's the part of the service that's not been happening right. yet that's the part of the service that we need evidence to commissioners to say well, look, you know, we spoke to 100 patients about alcohol. Yeah. Um, of those 100 patients, 50 of them um, scored as a biscuit drinker. Mm -hmm. We followed up 40 of those 50. Um, and of those 40 that we followed up, um, half of them said that they had reduced their drinking because of the conversation that they had in the pharmacy. Mm -hmm. Now, that is evidence. That is evidence to say that that has made a difference. That yeah. conversation, that intervention. It's made a difference to that person's drinking. But without that part of the service, we can't evidence that. All we can say is that there's a hundred conversations having a pharmacy We don't know the, what happened afterwards. So it's really, like I said, really important that we start to evaluate that, that we start to show to commissioners that there is a value in providing our service. And we know that conversations around health and lifestyle um, do have an impact, but not mm -hmm. on everybody. So if one in ten people yeah. that you talk to makes that lifestyle change and that's going to have an impact and that's going to have an impact on the NHS in the future mm -hmm. because you'll, you know, it may start to prevent some of these um, long-term conditions or some of these problems that people may have if they don't make that lifestyle change. So um, when you say obviously you've got the results that we get from mm -hmm. delivering a service, mm -hmm. um, let's say it's been successful and, and um, we, I don't know, uh, been offering EHC um, actively, and mm -hmm. this isn't how many submissions, and and could, you know obviously should have hopefully um, prevented unwanted pregnancies and and all that sort of stuff. Um, who is 
who is the person that should be promoting it to obviously to say to these government officials that this is working who is that person that well, should be should be portraying it and, and and and, and publicising it that actually pharmacists deliver services and and this is what I keep hearing this um, mm. from various different aspects not just from a service point of view that we don't we don't vocally say what we're no. doing. So no. obviously the public's perception of what a pharmacist does is completely different to what it actually is. Oh, yeah. But who who should we be holding accountable to say that actually it's it that that's your hat that you should be wearing? You should actually look at that data and actually publicize it um and, and go from it from there. Who would you say that is? Um, it's both the main pharmaceutical bodies, um, but it needs to start with the LPCs. You know, maybe the LPCs can do some work around what their pharmacies offer. Maybe individual pharmacies can start developing um, some evaluation, providing some evaluation. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, as a, as a collective, there needs to be some leadership around this that, and some responsibility that, you know, someone gathers that evidence and that information and does, um, and does show that higher up to the government like you say people that the worth the worth of pharmacy we know what the worth of pharmacy yeah but to actually prove that prove it to the, the patients on the, on the ground but also to, to prove it higher up that you know pharmacy is a valued profession and can offer more um and is more accessible and accessible than a healthcare provider mm. um, to be fair it's, it's not just um with patients and, and what their perception is of what a pharmacist does and obviously with government officials, it's also other healthcare professionals. Um, yeah, like, let's say, for example, I was uh, talking to one of the universities um, a couple of days ago and um, highlighting possibly the need of initiating uh, a pilot study. And the um, first question I got asked was, why pharmacy? Why pharmacists? Why not doctors? Why not nurses? Why mm, pharmacists? The of pharmacy. Yeah, and I'm There's just like. Doctors and nurses, isn't it? And I'm like, <laughs> do you realise how under? Well, it's not like we're underutilised, but we are in that sense, and we're undervalued um, okay. as a profession. Hence. I think that's why we keep getting cuts because they mm-hmm. don't see the value that is provided. No. So when will they open up their eyes to see what is actually going on and what impact it's going to have if there is no pharmacy, which it will never get to that stage, but it will get to a stage of where I think it will be at breaking point. I don't know. It's getting to the stage where the pharmacy is closing it all over. Yeah. Um, and if patients can't access a pharmacy when they need a pharmacy, then people are going to start to stand up and listen. But we don't want it to get to that. No, we, we don't. don't. Want to have to travel for an hour to get to a pharmacy when they had one 10 minutes down the road. Yeah, and that's the whole point. Like having a pilot, regardless of whether it's a pilot study or a new service or a new initiative, it's the fact mm-hmm. that as pharmacists, we are freely accessible. No appointments required majority of the time. Um, uh, You're not limited to just a 10 minute conversation. Uh, You're not limited to discussing just one condition. Um, You've got access to a large 
amount of resources, whether it's the pharmacist, uh, the dispenser, healthcare assistant, uh, everyone knows a bit about something um, to give to give you some answers. Um, so it's I'm finding it quite eye opening at the same time, but baffling yeah. as to how to even begin to start correcting that. <laughs> Because it's on so many different levels. Yes. And I don't, I don't know. I don't have the answers to that. I just know that it needs to be done and it needs to, we, we, we need to start speaking up and we uh, collectively. Yeah. You know, a pharmacy voice that actually goes to, to talk to the government to actually say, we need pharmacy. This is pharmacy's work. Why, why can't they see that? Mm. Um, but getting patients to do that too. Patients have a powerful voice. Yeah. You know, get our patients to talk, get MPs to talk about pharmacy, invite an MP into your pharmacy and find out that, the, you know, that the MPs know what um, what you're doing in your pharmacy. It, like you said, it's, it's about being proactive. Um, so like when you've got award-winning pharmacists like Ola Tail and Haroon, yeah. um, they're very much proactive and they highlight the need of uh, what a pharmacist does within the community and um at least it's being recognized in some areas but yeah. it's it's opening those eyes and and inspiring other pharmacists to follow the same journey yeah, and having um, that collective voice that you are in there everyone talking about pharmacy rather than just those few separate across the country yeah well speaking of awards little missy you won an award mm. too a couple of days ago <laughs> and what was it for? Would you like to tell our listeners what it was for? Um, yes, so it was excellence in learner support from the um, Royal Society for Public Health. So it's around the work that I've done with health champions, okay, um, both in pharmacy and optical practices. So supporting them to become health champions. So uh, yeah. now again. Um, for our students that aren't aware of what a health champion is, what's a health champion, please? Okay, so a health champion is a support, a pharmacy support staff that has been through um, a day's training, whether that's by distance learning, online learning, or face-to-face -face learning. It's a day's training um, with the Royal Society of Public Health, and they sit an exam at the end of it, and then they are, if, as long as they pass, then they are given the title as a health champion, and their role is to support the health and wellbeing of patients that come to their pharmacy, but knowing about their locality, knowing about what services are available that they can signpost into. Um, you know, it's not about them necessarily being experts on, on certain parts of health, experts on wine, experts on um, alcohol, etc. Mm -hmm. It's about them knowing um, how to have a conversation with a patient and then being able to support them to think about a lifestyle change and um, either support them in the pharmacy or refer them into other services. And how long have Healthy Champions been around for? Forever. So it started off in Portsmouth, um, 2009, eight, something like that. Um, and then there's a Pathfinder um, programme to roll out Healthy Legal Pharmacies um, and now it's obviously a national um, part of the quality payments to yeah. Healthy Legal Pharmacy. So every Healthy Legal Pharmacy has to have at least one full-time equivalent Health Champion in its school. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And actually, pharmacy staff really enjoy that responsibility and that role. That's um, good. We have some amazing health champions out there. Absolutely amazing. 
that's that that is what we want to hear that that is um people the members of staff that work in pharmacies um actually loving their roles and taking on the responsibilities of what their position is and not just seeing it as a nine to five job because it isn't that it's so much more and the level of advice that you give and um products that you give or anything like that even just being there and just having that due diligence of having that care for that patient does so much more yeah well, you, you speak to health champions had a conversation with somebody that's then gone away and come back and um, made a lifestyle change because of that conversation with that health champion. That health champion feels so empowered and so, yeah. you know, that, because of that conversation, I have helped that person stop smoking or I have helped that person to reduce the amount of calories they eat or the amount of alcohol that they consume. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then that, that's amazing job satisfaction. They don't need a pay on, they don't need anything additional in the it. <laughs> but you know, it's, just, it's, it's, it's great for them to think, I've made a difference to a person. I've made a difference to a person's life. I may have changed that person's mum and a half Yeah, later. yeah, definitely. It's so empowering. Um, and yes, there's lots of stuff. I started gathering stories a couple of years ago, actually, and then stopped. Um, but I need to start it again. Gathering those stories from pharmacies across my factory, but anywhere where they where they've made a lifestyle change, or they've made um, uh, an intervention, mm-hmm. or done something above and beyond that's actually made a difference to, to that person's life. Even if it's, I mean, I've t- took some of these, they've taken some blood pressure really high, you know, referred them straight to A and E, and they were close to having a, a heart attack or stroke or something. But, yeah. You know, if that pharmacy wasn't there on the doorstep, if that pharmacy had closed down. What would have happened to that patient? Exactly, exactly. So, yeah. as a female and a very strong, powerful woman that you sound like you are, <laughs> and you are, what advice would you give to another female who is on the fence about starting off a journey by herself? Um, what advice would you give her? Um to others and, and kind of get someone as a mentor or someone to support you. I've got great friends and um, support network around me um, and when I was made redundant from um, public health um, over a year ago, two years ago, um, I had that good network around me, I had people to support me um, and actually it was the best decision I made really leaving mm-hmm. um, and started off on my own. So, yeah, it's really important that you've got good people around you that can support you um, as mentors or, you know, just there to put you on a speed of shows. <laughs> Which did, I you, often, so. did, you, did you have a mentor? Um, I wouldn't say I had a mentor, but um, I had, not one in particular, but I had a, quite a few people around me that were very supportive. Uh-huh. And still are very supportive um, in the new roles. Has there been any challenges that you faced, especially from being um, a female director? Oh, um, <laughs> I was to say this, but yes, keeping them in mind got quite challenging. <laughs> um, and actually, we were um, a five directors, three of us were women, and we had two men. And now, um, two of the, the other female directors have stepped down. So at the moment, it's, well, it will be just me and female directors until we appoint new directors. 
Sorry, I'm, I'm hyping I think you can crack the whip there. I do try. <laughs> Just say, look, otherwise I'll leash the snake on you. Just <laughs> yeah. do my hand back. <laughs> Be a bit of a uh, Voldemort and Nagini going on there. Nagini <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, attack. <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to think of that. Be kind of mad in a handbag. So don't get the opportunity to go on me. But what what aspects have you found hard? Obviously, uh, putting men in check. What what part of it is is that? I'm going to keep probing here. No, I found it in my previous role. Um, I did have some difficulties, <laughs> um, particularly individual, which was one of the reasons that I left, um, and that wasn't male. So, but it can happen with both sexes. Yeah. But um, very felt very undermined, very um, not worthy. That's mm -hmm. right. Um, and that has changed, um, and I know my own worth, um, and I am able to stand up for myself a lot more now. Yeah. I wasn't in the past. Okay. I was, believe it or not, I was a bit of a walker, somebody, but behind my head, chair and not say a word. Whereas now I am a little bit more outspoken, but even, I still do fall back sometimes, and always outspoken, but I'm a lot more outspoken than I was. Um, and I'm not going to let anyone talk me down or, or treat me like that again. So it's a lesson learned, really. I think it's. Um, I think we all go through those lessons at times, mm -hmm. and without them, we generally we come out a lot stronger. Yeah. Um, what does I, it kill us makes us stronger. Or yeah, I call it my um, my f this moment. That okay. was my F this moment, and it's not going to happen again. <laughs> yes. Um, so there's been a lot of talk around um, uh, equal rights, equal pay, women inequality, and, and vice versa, and all that sort of stuff. What what mm -hmm. what would your opinion be on all that? Um, just for women really to stand up for, um, and it's going back to what we say about pharmacy's worth, also women's worth, and pharmacists' worth, and you know, equal jobs should equal equal pay. Mm -hmm. There shouldn't be any difference, um, and women really shouldn't be afraid to stand up and say, "Well, actually, I'm more worthy of that." You know, I, you know, I, I should, I deserve as much as my male colleagues for doing the same for doing the same role. Um, yeah, do, do you think there. enough's been done to address this issue? Um, possibly not. No, I know there's lots of things happening, and I know there's lots of groups and things set up um, talking about women in pharmacy. Um, and I know it's there's lots of women in pharmacy forums and things now on yeah. the pharmacy show and um, or different events. So, and that actually has maybe only happened over the last maybe year, two years. Okay. Um, 
so I think now it's time that women are standing together um, to kind of fight for their rights um, and be seen as equal. And it's not just in pharmacy, but it's in most professions. So you said honest. not enough is being done. What, what more or what should we be doing to get the ball rolling? Um, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because um, it depends on where you work, who you work for. Um, but just making sure that you are seen as equal to a colleague who's doing the same role mm -hmm. as you are. Um, and if not, fight it, speak to higher people. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> and what does the future hold for you? Where do you see oh, yourself? That's that, that, typical, <laughs> that typical interview question there. Where do you see yourself in five years, Michelle? Five years. Um, I'm managing to get my own office um, almost <laughs> a year ago. So maybe in five years I'll have a suite of offices. <laughs> okay. Um, and lots of people working for me, which would be very nice. Um, so. Yeah, just having a, I'd, I'd love to have a, a team of um, professionals that, yeah. that go out and kind of um, do a lot of the promotional work, a lot of the evidence, um, you know, doing some of these evaluations, reports, seeing mm -hmm. the up, um, going out on the ground talking to patients. So yeah, whole suite of offices with lots, lots going on and supporting the health and well-being of the whole country. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's that sounds amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank it's you. been an absolute pleasure talking to you and thank getting to know um, about your animals. I bet everyone else could be thinking of snake. What? They must be thinking. Hold on, this conversation's gone from animals to chili tea. <laughs> to Voldemort. <laughs> That's what I get. Keep getting told. This is the most <laughs> uniquest interview. Exactly. Exactly. But you're still laughing. That's yeah. Amazing. That is amazing. I'm going shopping for my chili tea. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure it was the Sainsbury's make one. Okay. Um, but there are other supermarkets available. I'm sure there are. Well, keep up the good work and hopefully we should be seeing you getting some more awards as well. Hopefully so. so you'll have that title of multi award winning. <laughs> yeah. How many do you need before you're multi award winning? Say two. I've got two, I've got two. Oh, and you're multi award really good, yeah. yeah there you are, there you go. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, uh, Michelle, multi award winning <laughs> woman of many hats. Woman of many hats. Um, I wish you all the best. Uh, keep in touch and um, have a good day. You too? Okay. Okay. Right, see you. Bye. Bye. Bye.